When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Hello and welcome. Back on deck. Jay Bon with you for Metrospective and Steve Cleave. Uh, to join me in a moment, yep, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be back on deck with Trot's life. We have to even probably chat through the Inter Milan uh, winners and that big night. Uh, it feels like it was about eight months ago, but it was only a little over a week ago. And as I promised the man to join me for this edition of Metrospective, as usual, is Steve Cleave. How are you, Cleavey? I'm going really well, Jay Bond. How are you, mate? Uh, quite refreshed, really. Although the Saturday night for the Phoenix was. Um, it was pretty large out there at the Meadows, and there was a large harness racing fraternity, as a matter of fact, who were at the Phoenix, but there was also a Cranbourne Cup meeting on. So there's a lot going on. A lot of the world now is winding down, and if you're watching the TV, I'll tell you what, Tom Bang would be one man who'd love this. You know, all the end-of-year um, best movies and best songs and yada, 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 and biggest stories, and let's review the year kind of situation. Well... We're not quite in that mode yet, are we? Because it just keeps on kicking on for uh, for racing and particularly harness racing at the back end of the year now. Yeah, it sure does. As you mentioned, we've got the uh, the Vic Bread series now well and truly underway with the heats being run during the week. And then we've got semifinals and the big Group 1 final night on New Year's Eve. So uh, no slowing down for us. No, and, uh, and obviously a big... A big meeting at Cranbourne on Saturday night. And as soon as we get through the Vic Bread Super Series, people will know this, I think, uh, who really follow the trots. But we go into Country Cup, big Country Cup after big Country Cup after big Country Cup into the Summer of Glory, the Hunter Cup, and then beyond that, the Miracle Mile. So uh, lots to be excited about. But we'll kick in to race one, retrospective as people usually know. But if you're the first time, it's the first time you've ever listened on a Monday morning to Trot's Life, we go through the major meeting of the weekend. And on this occasion, it was the Cranbourne Cup card. And the first event was won by Hurricane Hustler. I was sort of willing to take him on to a degree and wanted to back each way Valachi and Mongiana, a couple of warriors who just need you to run along in transit because I thought that Captain Wilson would lead and hold the lead. Well, I was right, but it didn't quite work out that way, Clevy. <laughs> no, it was a bit of a shock going into the first corner. I watched the replay a couple of times and, it's sort of hard to tell. I don't think he actually shied at something. He either went to run out the gate or it was almost like he didn't even realise that the corner was coming up and, and sort of then got off half off stride and ran out um, abruptly. And hats off to Nathan Jack. He, he was right there on the scene and he made his mind up very quick that there's an opening there. I'm going to take it and punch through with Hurricane Hustle and went straight to the front and dictated the race from there. And, and pretty much that was his winning move. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, he, there's no doubt Hurricane Hustler is uh, a, a pretty nice progressive horse um, with a fair bit of ability, but the luck was there. And Nathan Jack, as you mentioned, was the man that was able to um, 
uh, create the situation, really, or, or take advantage of the situation. And once he did, I mean, a drifter late from about seventy-five, $1.85 out to yours for theirs. And early, that first sort of 100 metres, you would have thought, geez, I don't want to be on at $2. And then once he found the front, you thought, can I get more on at $2? Yeah, racing's a funny game. Uh, you can chop and change very quickly. As you say, one minute you, you're probably sitting there going, oh, this isn't good, and the next minute you're jumping up and down. So the punt can be fun like that, but it can also be heartbreaking. But for those who did take the shorts, it was uh, it ended up being pretty fun for them. Bongiana was a very good run going around and doing a little bit of work. And, uh, you know, when you look at the times that they ran, Nathan sort of just bowled along evenly for the first half at, 26-9 down the back, and I know it's a little bit of a hill and, uh, you know, they reference it a lot during the night, but it's not a great hill. Um, you know, there's just a couple of metres difference, but 26-9 uh, is still rolling, makes it very hard for anything trying to come from behind. Home in 29-7, Bellacci got home really good up the straight. Major Delico also got home well, but then behind that, there probably wasn't much going on. Maybe Major Delico could be nearly a horse to follow because we don't sort of think about him, him as a... A, um, a get back four poles and run on like that. Valachi was very typical Valachi. Uh, coming off the back, anybody who didn't know who Valachi was would have thought, well, he can't keep going. He's going to stop because he's he's going backwards. But it's just that lack of uh, turn of speed acceleration that um, Valachi suffers from that he just couldn't keep up when they did get rolling. I'll tell you what did look funny to me. I've rarely ever seen Nathan Jack um, hanging at the back of the cart. But it looked like Hurricane Hustler was pulling ferociously through that uh, 26-9 third quarter or even slightly before that. So one thing about this horse I think that I found out on on Saturday night is that when he wants to go, he's going to have really, really high speed because I don't think Nathan was – was that keen for him to go that quite that fast, which means he can probably go even faster. Yeah, correct. Just to say, it's not Nathan's style to be hanging at the back of the cart, but uh, that back quarter, he'll certainly just along for the ride. And it might be a little bit of the breed. The worry we need is seem to um, just get a little bit sort of hot under the collar. But when they do is probably when they race their best, um, just from watching a few of them go around. And, and yeah, he, he took Nathan for a ride down the back, but uh, he was good enough to hold on. So... He got the money and uh, made it a little bit easier for Nathan coming back, 29-7 home. You know, it's, it's a little bit different because it is a slightly uphill rise. But when you when you pull your head off down the back on 26-9, you're bound to slow down a fair bit coming to the line. That could be um, a part of the reason why. So on Geelong Cup, sorry, on um, the Geelong Night 3 of the Inter-Dominion Series, uh, Hurricane Hustler was relatively short of the market, rolled forward and then they had to go back again. And even on Saturday night, wasn't rushed off the gate. So this could be something that we need to, to, to assess with Hurricane Hustler going forward because he's got really good gate speed. But what you've just mentioned might be critical that they, they have to teach him to be a racehorse because he might be one that if you do rush him off the gate a little bit too much, you'll you know, you'll send him a little bit half mad potentially. So some this is the reason, part of the reason on Saturday night that I didn't originally want to take the really short odds because they don't seem that keen to want to chase him off the gate, even though he's got good early speed, Clevy. Yeah, correct. And look, Saturday night was only his 16th start too. So he, he's very green, he's very immature when it comes to racing knowledge. So he's going to get better and better with racing. And I think they're doing the right thing by trying to educate him. Um, I'll throw to another one by where we need he up in 
Queensland, that Uncle Shank, uh, it's a horse I follow closely because it's related to Jesse's girl that I have, but he just wants to rip and run and, and just run some fast miles. So, you know, if that's a bit of the breed, then you can totally understand why they haven't let this guy rip yet. And uh, they're probably, you know, they'll, they'll win out in the long run by doing this and just taking their time with him. Let's go to a break here in Metrospective. You're listening to Trot's Life on a Monday morning at the back end of 2022. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. Welcome back. It's a beautiful feeling in the air. It's finally turned, I reckon. It has finally turned. We've had some shocking days leading up uh, to uh, to Christmas, and it's been a very, a very, very well, an, an unseasonably cool uh, November and December. I would have thought, but I don't know whether you, what you've experienced, Clevey, uh, uh out in the farm, out on your property over the last few years. I've got no doubt whatsoever, without getting into a climate change debate, because I, 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 I there's nothing that I can't stand more than listening to people. Um, talk about climate change who, who um, have absolutely no idea about it. And I certainly don't have much of an idea about it. But one thing I've definitely noticed is the seasons in uh, Victoria and Melbourne and down, down here have changed significantly. Once upon a time, you would have uh, summer, autumn, spring and winter. Now it feels like you just have a, a pretty hot season and a pretty cold season. The problem is people will think this is going to be a nice, cool summer, but I've got a funny feeling once we – it just goes longer – so that in February and even deep into March, you get really, really, really blistering conditions, I reckon. Yeah, totally agree with you there, Bond. Uh, I know the amount of feed and grass that we've got growing here at the moment is uh, not what we normally have when you're nearly at Christmas. Most places have dried right off, and yet we're only uh, just about ready to cut hay. It's just... Uh, it's growing that quickly now with that much moisture in the ground. But uh, you're right with the... The change in seasons, and, and oh, look, I'm not with uh, climate change either. I know if you speak to the old timers on the farms, they'll tell you, you know, every 10 or 12 years you'll have a flood and then the next 10 or 12 years later you'll have droughts. It's just a common changing uh, thing with the way the earth revolves and and I'll sort of stick with them. They've, they've been around doing it long enough, so I won't argue with those guys. But uh, I, I do, ter- so, uh, do believe that March... Is almost the hottest month of the yeah, year now, was, so it has just, sort of become a little bit later. I was just saying that to, I think uh, someone the other day, I'm like, just watch out because March will probably be the hottest month of the year. This is just how it's worked. It just goes deeper and later. But um, certainly right now, this is this is beautiful weather. We would like more rain, of course, but I, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. They call these, they've got names from now. It's El Nino and La Nina and all the rest of it, but really, it's just a uh, it's just the way the world works. Race two now, Brian from Adelaide. We have a share in Polly put kettle on. Tough wind sitting in the death. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I must say I thought it was crazy short because of the possibility that it would be parked in transit. They Polly put kettle on. And um, extremely good job. Great drive, Mark Pitt. I don't think she'll be starting in $1.18 again, where the lead is not absolutely 100% assured, however. But um, for those who did take the prohibitively short odds. And let me tell you, Polly put kettle on was backed into a dollar eighteen and was around the dollar thirty, dollar forty mark, and they couldn't have enough on 
So well done. Uh, it was a tough win sitting in the death, but if you were on at the dollar eighteen, it would have been a tough watch as well, I reckon, Clavian. Yeah, absolutely. But it was certainly a great win. And I went back to her previous start where she had absolutely no luck at all. That was on the Dominion Grand Final night. Went forward, the horse in front of her three wide couldn't get the death, had to be restrained all the way back to last. Come three wide at the bell, got a cart up into it. Then they sort of went really slow in that race, 28-1, but ripped home in 26-5. And she was four and five deep around the home corner and making ground and, and just petered on a run a little bit in the straight. And I don't think that suits her at all. And I know you sort of think she mightn't be a death seat horse, but I think she sort of is. She, she just likes to be out in front and not held up and can roll at her own tempo. And that's what they did at Cranbourne, you know, 27-7, 32-2. That's probably a little bit slower. Yeah, it gave her a bit of a breather, but that's a fairly slow quarter. But 28-7, 28-8, that suits her to the ground. Whereas if they go, you know, a 28-9 or 29-something and rip home in a 26, it makes it very, very difficult for her. So I don't think I'd be too upset from now on if you see her sitting in the death. If they can control the speed from the death seat, I think she'll handle it pretty good. And, and I think she proved that on Saturday night. Rocking with Sierra, I was really happy with that horse's run. I think she's one to follow out of this. She hit the line really well. Uh, Heavenly Charm was great out in front. Just got tired the last 50. Uh, but will certainly come in off that run. Common courtesy, yeah, still don't know where she's at. She uh, She's a little bit hit and miss since her really good runs against the best mare when she was up against Ladies in Red and... Tough Tilly and Co, but she's sort of been, yeah, a little bit hit and miss since. So not sure whether she's coming to the end of her prep or not. Uh, and then, you know, change over girl. That those first five are only six point five meters apart. So for a small field, it was quite a close finish. Uh, it, you know, it's a packed group. Um, yeah, I've got to say in the run. <clears throat> because uh, we, were, we, were, we were doing some tipping out there at uh, the Meadows on Phoenix night for Cranbourne as well, and I was with Common Courtesy. When Polly put Kettle on got parked, I thought we are on here with Common Courtesy. I thought she was disappointing. Yeah, you might be right. It has been a pretty brutal uh, a brutal preparation against those really, really good horses, um, particularly of her own gender at different times, and m- maybe it has gotten to her because she just didn't want to pick up and accelerate. Um, it, it was a funnily run race, wasn't it? 27-7. First quarter and then the second quarter, they dropped it all the way back to 32-2. You rarely see that kind of disparity between uh, the opening two quarters of a final mile. And there are a few races at Cranbourne on Saturday night. Now, they did go a quicker third quarter than a final quarter here, and this is something you talk about all the time, but uh, Clavy, but you've got to moderate it for Cranbourne in particular because at Cranbourne, it is very regular for the third quarter to be a second or more quicker than the final quarter of the race. But there were a few races on Saturday night, and this was one of them where it was a relatively even tempo through those final two um, double furlong splits, 28-7 and 28-8. And you make a really good point with Polly Put Kettle on because you know that, that, that sort of phrase, that philosophy of controlling the race from the breeze, it probably it probably doesn't work as well overall now as it once did. Once upon a time, probably people will say, particularly pre-sprint lane and all the rest of it, you could control it more and maybe over longer trips. But now she's one that can do it because she actually wants the tempo to be, as you mentioned, rolling and solid. I mean, if you're you're an absolute, um, if you're a blazing 400-meter sprinter, then you can't control the race from the breeze, can you? But a a, a, a mare like her, her probably can. 
Yeah, correct. And, you know, when you say controlling it, people sort of think, oh, but doesn't the leader control it? But the leader has got away the 32.2 second quarter because Mark's allowed his mayor to sit back and allow that leader to do that. So he he hasn't made the leader do it, but he certainly controlled the pace by allowing that breather to come in, by holding back. If he if they go a 29 first quarter, Mark probably eyeballs uh, the leader and goes another 30 for the second quarter instead of a 32.2. Yeah. So it, it is controlling that race. And, you know, when you can do that with horses that just like that even tempo, I, I just think it, even though it is sitting in the death and you think, oh, are they tough enough to be in the death? If you can control that speed, then absolutely a lot of them can sit in the death and do it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so even to go further with that, controlling speed, yes, it's normally the breeze horse. The leader can control it by by rolling along itself. But in this day and age, you'll find that in, what do you reckon, Clevy, 85, 90% of races, and it, 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 it is a flawed mindset at times. But in 85 to 90% of races, everyone will go as slow as they possibly can in front. And it, 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 doesn't, yeah. it doesn't always work, but that's what you will normally see, which means if you do know your horse really well and it is a rolling one batter, that's when you, that, that's when you can actually... Um, take possession of how the race is going to be run. Yeah, 100% correct. And if you've got a horse that's really tough and, you know, can can really run a, a strong, strong half, you can put the hammer down going into that back straight, which then makes it impossible for those horses that are three wide trying to make ground, knowing how much strength your horse has got to be able to still find in the home straight. So, again, you're dictating the tempo to the rest of the field there. So I, it's it's still called the death seat, but I think it you know it needs a name change because it's it's no longer a seat you don't want to be parked in. It's it's somewhere where it's actually quite beneficial to sit if you've got the horse that you know just has that bit of I suppose mental strength to be able to sit out there and do the work. Let's move on to race three now. I want your opinion here, Clevy, because this horse Chinese Whisper has obviously been. Um... Uh, bane of my life. I can't, you know, turned up here, <laughs> turned up here in March. Um, uh, Sammy Kilgour, I think about 12 times in the last two weeks has uh, said, how about Chinese Whisper? One way or another, either winning or losing. Um, but I'm looking at this situation now and, and asking, are you just a completely mercurial horse who needs to be in exactly the right mood and exactly the right night to produce your best? Or are you, and I, I don't want this to be true, but the evidence is building that it is true. I don't want it to be true again, but the evidence is building that it might be true, that you, you are a bully, a, a speed bully at a certain level of racing. But when it gets to the top level, that speed bully aspect that you've got to your personality and your character doesn't work quite so well. I reckon you've got both right. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of each. I, I wouldn't say it was one or the other, but I'm sort of glad Andy Gass got this horse and not me because it would certainly do your head in um, since coming over. It hasn't had that many starts. And if you quickly reel off the numerical form, first start in Australia, ninth, fourth win, eighth, seventh, second, seventh, sixth win, third, tenth, sixth, seventh Jeez. win. Yeah. When it wins, it looks like a star. And yeah. every other time you just go, what, what was that? You know, it, it is just so 
frustrating and you'll never i don't care if it's a dollar 60 or 21 dollars you, you'll never get a dollar of my money on it because horses like that you just can't back them with any confidence whatsoever unless you are an andy gath who is working the horse and took that horse to the races that night and can tell if it's on its toes or you know if it's going there half asleep or whatever it needs to do to be at its very best so yeah, it, uh, when it is good, it is very, very good. So, so so the question remains, do you believe that when it is in that mood, on the right night, in the right big, big race, that he's good enough to win them? I, I, I still think he is. The evidence is mounting to tell me that he produces these performances in lesser grade. So he does look like he's one of those um, – uh, how do you put it? He's one of those VFL players that drops down and gets forty-five possessions, you know. You know, and then you get you yeah. go back. You go back into the big races, but it, but the the contra argument is that he just hasn't been things haven't quite worked out for him in the good races, or he hasn't been in that zone. So I, I can't declare it one way or other, the other. But as you mentioned, anybody who watched him again the other night, and anybody who's watched him in virtually any of his good runs here would think that he has got that quality because he just absolutely, like he toyed with them. I, I, I know it wasn't a, it wasn't the toughest race of all time, but he toyed with them, didn't he? He did. I, look, I don't think he can get up and win the bigger ones. Um, that's without talking to Andy, so I'm only talking off what I see. Um, I might be 100% wrong and, and, and totally happy to be corrected, but he's ran his last half, uh, Cranbourne, 56.78. So absolutely humming for a trotter. And then I'm just going to slide down to the cup. Then you've got horses. So I know it's a totally different race, different thing, uh, different distance, you know, and they're getting home in 57.9. So he's got the speed to be with those horses, but I don't think he's got the overall game to be able to do it in the big races. If, you know, you need to have that little bit of, I'd suppose a bit more depth than what he's got. Yeah. You can see he's so fast, this horse, that if you watch the replay in the last probably 80 metres, he's, he's, he's trotting uh, cadence in terms of how many steps he's taking, starts to reduce, but he's carrying so much pace that he doesn't slow down. He's, um, he's a nice horse. Out of that race, it was good to see little Yankee run well. Um, I thought Gunning was a little bit disappointing after, you know, you go 32-2, 33-3, first half of the final mile. Um, I would have thought he was entitled to probably run second or third at absolute worst. Yeah, and 27-9 down the back, you know, probably suited him trying to stop the others making ground, but only 29-2 home. So I'm the same. I've, I've been on gunning for quite some time. I really like that horse, and he's got me into a few trifectas on first fours at really big odds, and uh, it, it's hard to go off him, but I was very disappointed in that run. You, you don't get away with a lead time and a first half like that uh, very often and, and not to be able to to utilise it was a bit disappointing. All right, that's three races. We're down seven races to go from Cranbourne on Saturday night. We'll go to the news now, find out what's happening in the world and return with Stormont Star winning the Blue Hills Rise Cranbourne 10,000 pace final. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to Metrospective. 
With three races down, we're up to race four on the card from Cranbourne on Saturday night. Steve Cleve, J-Bomb with you now. This winner, Stormont Star, I'm going to take you through a This Is Your Life. We start our career in 2017 with uh, Kerry Ann Morris in Sydney. Then a little bit down the track, we're still there for a while, and then we go, I'll tell you what, we might go for a bit of a move. So we might go up to Queensland and see what the Sunshine State's like. We'll go and visit Grant Dixon. He can look after us for a little bit and see if he can do that. No, we didn't like it. There was too warm. We're going down to the Apple Isle. We're going all the way down to Tasmania. Connor Crook can see what he can do with us down there. Then Kate Hargraves can take us over in Victoria. Then I'm going to go back to Connor Crook for a little bit. And then Mick Law can take us over. And then Raymond Pocock now in Victoria. Um, it is, again, we speak about this all the time, and it has changed to some degree, Cleavy, but the durability of the standard bread to be able to race in that many jurisdictions and win race number 19 at race number 155, particularly in the dominant fashion that Stormont Star did in the breeze, um, pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, as you say, he's more travelled than you and I, and uh, to still be able to do that and keep racing, it's it's pretty impressive. And um, I think he's a nine-year-old now and, and still going strong, like he won that very impressively. It was a great drive by Geordie Leadham. There was a real early speed burn on, but as soon as they went to start putting the brakes on, he went straight around, got the desk seat, and uh, just left him standing when he went for home. He certainly did. It was a pretty unbelievable win. Geordie Leadham was just swinging and knew that – uh, I, there's no point holding him any longer. We might as well just take off. Um, was it was a pretty nice drive in the end by for reasons. So Colonial Stallion Frank the Tank, of course, who won a Victoria Cup for uh, for Luke McCarthy. But it was such a dominant win. I found it pretty hard to create a strong case for why uh, for why those back in the field were, you know, you'd be, you'd want to be following them anytime soon because. This is your 51 to 54 rating race. So unless you can drop, there is a massive, massive class difference between the sub-50 races and the 51 to 54 races like this, particularly this one. It's a pretty strong one. It's part of that uh, 10,000 series that Cranbourne have been running. Um, so th- these, are, these are sort of above average, if you like, 51 to 54 raters. But still, the winner won so well. Um, could you excavate anything uh, as part of the beaten brigade that you'd want to be following down the track? It's really hard, like you said. Uh, Top Hat Johnny probably stuck on all right, considering he was in the early speed burn, um, looking, you know, trying to find the lead. Just quickly went through a few of them, and maybe I can pick out Illawong Awesome. Now, I know it's been beaten by 20-odd metres, um, but if you have a look at its starting uh, lifetime record, it's had 29 starts for three wins. Now... The winner, as we just said, has had 155 starts for 19 wins. The second horse, Live for Peace, it's had 134 starts for 22 wins. Top Hut Johnny has had 99 starts for 13 wins. So those four, you know, winning 13 plus races, and then Illawong Awesome's got home okay, and it's only won three. And I know they're in the same class, but if he can find an easier field where it's sort of against similar horses that have only won a few, then possibly that would be the only one I could pick out behind the winner to to even consider backing. But even then, it would want to be finding, as I said, a, a race with only two or three wins between them, not against the horses that have won 22 and 19 and you know, 13 races. It's one of the rollercoaster parts of the, um, of the national rating system, isn't it? I mean... Um... 
Because it can never be perfect. It can never, ever be perfect, can it? No. But, but I, I guess so in one way, some people will say that, you know, horses have won this many races in such, such lowly graded races that is unfair. And some people will be saying, well, actually, this is keeping the good horses going around. And the problem is if you, if you, if you have a limit for how low they can go, and back in the day, if you want a metropolitan race, you could go no lower. Well, they're not going to be able to get a chance. It's a really interesting one. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm more pro this system in that respect than the old system. But um, there could be an argument to say, well, there is still a, there is still a, uh, you know, a bottom of the barrel where you can't go any lower than that with these horses because. It is pretty hard when you've had a few, you know, a few wins and you're taking on horses who've had 15 or 20, Clavy. It is. It, look, it's a tough system. Like you said, no system will ever be 100% no. right. It's impossible because it's just such a changing, you know, sort of time frame. Everything just kept constantly moving. But the only thing I suppose that they could do, and this would be, you know, maybe a tough job at the racing office or not, but if they start doing a study on these races and say, okay, these horses that have only got, up to five wins are just not getting any closer than fourth or fifth, then maybe they could program the odd one for horses with no more than four or five wins or something like that, where you can actually dodge those old horses because, you know, these horses, I know they're in a 51 to 54, but they're tough and old horses. And if you've got a young horse, that's only had a few starts and, you know, it's had 16 starts and it's one, two or three, it's not that tough mentally yet. So, that's a possibility because this system could work even better than it is now if the programming maybe got jiggled around a bit. Well, you can, I think they need to get the programming right to make this system work even better. I think, um, without getting too political here, just for a moment, but I, uh, I think sometimes when people when you set um, when you set paradigms or um, systems in place that there's there's a desire not to stuff around with it at all because you just say, well, the system either works or it doesn't. But you can see from the recent, what's happened here in Australia recently with the uh, the federal government um, uh, putting a cap on energy prices and all the rest of it, it quite often you, you, there is no perfect system and you do just need to either through programming or um, – a, a, addendums virtually to whatever the programming system, whatever the system is to just say, okay, here's the system. You let it play out for a few years and then you look and say, all right, well, here are the three or four things that we don't, we don't love about it. We do like a lot of what's going on. Here are the three or four things. What can we do about them to moderate, to moderate the loopholes? If you know what I mean, or close up those loopholes or create environments where uh, horses can win. So I don't see any problem with it. I think sometimes, like I say, people look at, Look at the system and say, look, you you just let the free market work or you let the system work. But the truth is, if you can obviously identify four or five things that you'd like to do just to tighten things up, tighten the screws on a few situations, there's absolutely no problem with that, in my opinion. Let's go to race five. This is the first of the big ones. Uh, the Better Vet, Bruce Giggs Memorial Cramp and Trotters Cup time monitored race, group one level. And I'm really intrigued uh, around your thoughts here, uh, Clevy, with Majestuoso, because... He's won. Um, he's beaten a very good field. I can't work out again. This is a little bit like Chinese whisper, but I can't work out really early in his career. Majestuoso, and people might not like hearing this, but I think even 
Kate Gathers agreed with me on this. Majestuoso was an unbelievably talented horse who you didn't want to hit the front with too soon because you would have a little bit of a think about it. That's my opinion. Is he doing that a little bit again right now? Is he just below his best or have the others caught up with him? Discuss. Look, I think the others may have caught up to him a little bit. Um, He was very freakish when he first came over here and maybe – as he's got older, a little bit like if we go back to the football analogy that we do quite often, you know, you, you get these young footballers that are extremely freakish early on, but they, they still stay classy players. But that freakish talent, just that that little extra X factor seems to just come back as they mature. And maybe that's what's happened to this bloke. I, I still think he's going sensational. Um, I loved him. I just love watching him on the home corner. When Kate says go... Those little legs, they go a million miles an hour, and you can just see him accelerate by how quick his legs start rolling. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think he's ever one that's going to be winning by big, big margins. If that's just him, that's just him, and I'm happy to accept that because he keeps fighting all the way to the line. But uh, one thing I do know about him is he loves to back up, and, and that's why, you know, coming off an Inter-Dominion series or even the Inter-Dominion series in itself proved that he got better with every run through that series. He showed that a great Southern star last year. He was playing in the first heat, came out two hours later, and was absolutely amazing. And and that's something that I always keep watching with him. But if you're giving too big a break in between runs, he doesn't seem to perform quite as good. Yep. But, uh yeah, I, I think maybe they're starting to catch up. I, I look, our trotters now are just amazing how quick they can run. You know, it's not just one trotter that can break the clock. We've got a whole field of them that are breaking the clock. So I think it's a little bit of, as I said, that young freakish look has just sort of maybe just come off the top of him, but still still very, very good. Um, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like he didn't win the race the way I was speaking, I suppose, but he did. He won. <laughs> um, it's more just... It's more just when he uh, when he sidled up to the leader here to Hopeful Beauty. You just thought Hopeful Beauty, and I hope you Hopeful Beauty is a really high quality man. Do not get me wrong, very 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 good horse, but Majestuoso um, had her stone cold on toast, and um, and and only ended up winning by one point nine meters. Look, it was still a really good win. I personally still think he's not quite. Not quite a hundred, like a hundred thousand percent, which sounds funny. He's run second in an in, Inter Dominion final. He turns up here in a Group One, wins another Group One. That's six Group Ones for his career. But that—that's a measure of um, how good he is. So we were at the Greyhounds on uh, Saturday night. Where wow, she's fast has won her second consecutive Phoenix, uh, replicating the deeds of Red Zell, who won the first two Everest. Where wow, she's fast did that. Now I don't think where wow, she's fast was quite at her absolute brilliant best, but. The great ones, great racing animals, great athletes, Clevy, find a way to win sometimes when they aren't quite like and, and I'm not saying Majestuoso is eighty five percent. He's close to the mark. I, I just think he's not quite he's not in the form that he was in even when he won the Australasian trotting championship going back a couple of years ago. I don't think in my opinion. But um he the, the good ones find a way to win. Having said that, I could be being again, even though I've I've said she's very good. I might be marginalising the performance of Hopeful Beauty, who is who is really, really good, isn't she? Yeah, I love Hopeful Beauty. She's a lovely mare. I'd love to have her in my stable, that's for sure. And look, I suppose as they get a little bit older, I mean, what is he, seven years old now? Um, 
you know, you, you, you can't be expected to be, you know, at your very best when you've been so good earlier on. Um, I think you've got to find your level somewhere. But I just very quickly, while you're saying that, had a quick look at the finish. And as I said, Majestuoso is never a horse to run away. And Kate wasn't hurting him either. She knows he's had, you know, a lot of runs under his belt and everything else. She only sort of gave him two with a whip in the straight and the rest was all rain. So it was just a matter of win the race, look after the horse for mine. And as I said, I, I still don't think you're going to see him running, you know, three lengths clear. He, mm. he sort of gets to the front and he's happy to wait from him. But as I said, you can't knock the second horse either. And Powder Keg, he's been smashing the clock every start lately and, and he got home, you know, really strong again late, which that's just typical powder keg at the moment as well. So, yeah, look, it, it's really hard, but I said maybe he has just levelled out and, and, as I said, with a bit of age, it does actually get to you. I know I can't run as quick as I used to, so <laughs> I'm not going to pick on poor little Majestuoso. No, but it, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've I've gone back and had a look at it as well. He's, he's held... He's held comfortably, and probably in those last 20 metres, he's just extended the margin marginally there, Majestuous. So that's six group ones. He's just been a wonderful horse. We're really, I'm discussing him in comparison with that. That only tells you how good I, how highly I do rate this horse. Like, I, do, I think he's, well, he has been an absolute superstar over over a number of years. Um, you've already mentioned Powder Keg. He's just. We'll go to a break in a moment, but he's he is um, he will. Well, you hope so. You hope he wins a big one at some point because he's flashed home again here. Um, if he can just score up with them, if he can just do a couple of other things right, but unfortunately these things aren't always guaranteed. Uh, you always think at some point the, the penny will drop and the horse will change, but sometimes when those habits um, very quickly before a break, Clevy, it's like humans again. Uh, we're making these analogies all the way through the program, but when those habits get really, really ingrained and they last for a fair while, it's very hard to change them, isn't it? It is very, very hard, hard to change. And look, Lisa's always said she doesn't even know why or when he's going to do it. There's no signs that he gives you. He just does it out of the blue. And uh, that must be really, you know, brain wrecking for, for Lisa. But imagine if Powder Keg had Sleepy's gate speed and, and safety off the gate. Like, he, he would be winning many a good race. It's, as you said, he's just got that quirky character about him. And hopefully he can put it all together in the right race and, and get a big one on the board for him because he certainly deserves it. It's funny, isn't it? For such a for, for a race with so many mature trotters, a lot of them have got quirky characters here. All cashed up, broke. Rules don't apply, does that relatively regularly. Uh, Sundance Carriage was out of position, powder keg, majestuoso. So sometimes um, those freaky talents, um, they've got flaws. It sounds like somebody I know. In the mirror. Let's go for um, let's go for a break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll have a little quick discussion of the Aiden Graham Memorial Pace won by Sanday. Watch this twenty times, and I still can't work out how Knights Templar didn't win. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. Gotta love Avril. What a woman. What a woman! What a player. Welcome back to Metro Respected. This is gonna be a very short segment because uh, we've got to duck out and then you will have um Clevy taking us through for a couple of minutes uh, to the, towards the end of the uh, the first hour here of the show. But before we go, just very quickly, because we're gonna talk about Sanday winning race 68 and Gray Memorial Pace. He's um 
he's won races, plenty of races from off the speed, but this horse just seems a better leader. He just doesn't have the gate speed to find the front all the time, but when he can lead, I feel like the, his best performance has come in front because even though he's only won this by a, uh, a small margin, Glavy, he's, he's actually he's pulled pretty hard. He's done a couple of things wrong and he's still held them off. Yeah, no, it was a really good win by Sanday uh, out in front. As I said, and his last couple of wins has been in front. I think that's sort of his preferred style now. But as you said, it's just finding the front uh, sometimes is the issue. Night's Temple, I just went back and watched the replay multiple times while we are on that break. And I, I think the sprint lanes cost him because he's had to be steered down and really steered down to get inside the horse and the leader's back, Kaki Nui. And, and that sort of loses you a bit of momentum. Um, and Cranbourne's a, a tougher sprint lane to get into than some other tracks. Some tracks you sort of just half roll down into it. It's fairly easy. Cranbourne's one of these tracks where you sort of got to really steer your horse down. And not every horse likes to steer down tight to the left. Um, but he's got home really strong late. And, you know, a few more strides. Knight Templar, definitely the winner. Serge Blanco, very good. And Let's Rock, Let's Roll, flashed home as he does uh, really well. But... Yeah, hats off to Sande for uh, holding on in a, a very tough go to the line. We'll talk about this race a little bit more when we return for the second hour of Metrospective here. Hopefully everybody's enjoying beautiful weather here in Melbourne and right around Australia, I hope, um, as we head towards Christmas. But we'll take our break now, our final break for the first hour here of Metrospective. When we return, I'll give a couple of thoughts on that sixth event on the card as well. And we've got more big races to come. The top of the second hour, we're talking about the Group 1 Decron Cramp and Pacing Cup. One by, yep, you wouldn't believe it, would you? Jason Grimson and a horse called Major Meister. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back. We've got three races left to cover from the Cranbourne meeting on Saturday night, including the Group 1 Decron Cranbourne Pacing Cup. We'll review those and a couple of other races. We'll also head back and have a quick review of the Inter-Dominion Grand Finals. So make sure you join Jason Bonington, myself, Steve Cleave, after this news break on SEN Track for all the latest on Monday Metrospective. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Such a good song. It's a bit. Of, it's weird. It's a summer song, even though it's doesn't sound like it, does it? But it is. I'll be listening to it as I go for my 10k runs. Lols. There'll be no 10k runs. Uh, race. <laughs> running. Race six. Um, just a couple of extra thoughts here. Yeah, it, really interesting. And you, you, you've been a um, um, somebody who's probably spoken more than most from experience about uh, even some horses who who don't particularly like going down to the sprint lane. And there definitely are a cohort of horses that, that don't naturally like basically going sharply left uh, in the first place. So we talk about the Cranbourne sprint lane. And the Cranbourne sprint lane is a funny one, I suppose, because – you're talking, uh, Clevey, on one hand about the fact that you need to steer down into it. Probably the the advantage of the Cranbourne Sprint Lane is it's longer than most and it clearly fits uh, 
two horses, whereas some, you know, if the one that goes in the sprint lane first, um, you know, uh, lays in a little bit or takes up a little bit of extra room, you can't get another one in there. So it's an interesting one because on face value for a punter, it looks like a great sprint lane, but when you're out there driving, it, it takes a fair bit of skill, does it, to, to roll down and, and try and keep your momentum because that's the critical key. If you have to hold up your momentum, the whole point of a sprint lane is it's short and sharp and you, you need to keep rolling because you need you need to pick up more than a horse length. In this case, more than two horse lengths, horse and cart lengths to win the race. Yeah, um, totally right there, Bond. If you have a look, it, it's – I mean, it fits two horses, but that – second horse going down does have to then get inside of the horse in front of them. Yeah. So that does lose momentum, lose time in the sprint lane. No doubt about it. Knights Templar leaders back. He wins quite comfortably. He would have just rolled through there without having to barely steer off his line to get down. But uh, just that extra, you know, if you watch the head on replay, you can see how much Chris had to turn that horse to get it to come down. And they just can't accelerate when you're trying to turn them that sort of quickly. So, it's uh, it, look, it's a tricky one. I'm not a great fan of sprint lanes. If I've got Chris had absolutely no choice, but if I'm sitting there and say I'm leaders back, if I've got the choice to come out or go in, if I've got clear on both sides, I'll come out every time. That that uh, that that line of um, Mr. Ville, who was just an incredibly fast horse in her own right, they've been so interesting because they've they've several of them have looked absolutely. Outstanding. Heaven Showgirls had a great career. 62 starts, 18 to wins, 197,000. But Misty Cullen looked um, looked a really, really serious horse. Only got 20 starts in her career, six wins. And Knights Templar, I've sort of, for a while, I've, I've had the thought that he's good enough to be a proper good horse. But um, he's going to have to, like like all athletes, uh, horses are no different. Racing animals are no different than, than humans, as we've discussed. Uh, ad nauseum throughout the course of the program. You've got to go to the next level. And he hasn't quite gotten there yet. Whether he does or not, only time will tell. Uh, Serge Blanco is is in for a big preparation. Uh, you talk about being halted for your momentum. Probably when you look at this race and you just look at the concluding stages, you think, well, let's rock, let's roll has been the run of the race coming from where he did. But Serge Blanco, whenever you have to rip the head to one side to try and get, get out of a gap and you're held up for momentum and um, broken the score up, out of position at the start... Um, it, it, he's probably been the run of the race for me, Serge Blanco, and I think he's in for a big preparation. Yeah, couldn't agree with you anymore there. He just had everything go wrong, and yet he still only got beaten by a short half head and a half head. So, you know, when you when you get that many crosses against your name during the run, to come out with a tick like that, I think you've got to, you know, make that tick in bold. So he is going super. He seems to have his fair share of ability and, like you say, he's got plenty of future in front of him. There's no doubt about that. And Knights Templar, getting back to him, he's only had, I think, the 26 starts. So, you know, he's still relatively young in, in racing terms when you have a look, you know, as I said, they can still be racing around with 150, 200 runs under their belts. So he's still got uh, a bit of time underneath him to keep getting better as well. And let's rock, let's roll. Like you say, it looked like he had, he was probably the run of the race away, he flashed home, but he was the one horse that probably didn't run into any checks or have to get turned sideways or anything else. He had that perfect trip into it. Whereas Knights Templar, Serge Blanco, both of them having to get turned sideways basically to get their clear running. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, not quite getting the job done on the line, but certainly both worth following going forward. 
Now, we get to uh, the big one. Well, there were two big ones. The Bruce Giggs Memorial Trotters Cup. And, of course, this one, the Group 1 Decron Cranbourne Pacing Cup. And this is quite unbelievable. I still haven't written my uh, articles for the Heralds on tomorrow, but it'll be about largely about uh, Jason Grimson. And I'll tell you what, if you've got, if you've got one that's um, going okay in Victoria at the moment, um, be afraid, be very afraid, because you look at this progression. Bonsell Benjamin wins an Inter-Dominion Series. Then we step it up to Majestic Cruiser, second in um, in the race by Grins, that slot race up in Cambridge, and also a Blacks of Fake winner. So uh, pr- there's an argument to say maybe a bit better than Bonsell Benjamin. And then I cast no shadow. I think Jason Grimson would still say Majestic Cruiser better than I cast no shadow potentially, but I cast no shadow is now a Len Smith Mile winner and an Inter Dominion champion. And the way that Major Meister has gone at his last two starts since joining Grimo, he looks like he's better than the lot. Um, and that's a frightening thing to to consider, but this is just crazy. Like the first win, uh, if you're one of the lucky ones to get on, I think he was about four sixty into a dollar seventy at his first start for Jason Grimson. But here, one fifty six seven over the long trip at Cranbourne, and um, <clears throat> looks under a little bit of pressure coming to the turn, but just blasts away from them. And I'll tell you, the two horses running second and third here. Mac Dam won two each of the Inter Dominion Series, and Rock and Roll do as a Victoria Cup champion. This is crazy. It just, yeah, hard to fathom, isn't it? Just the turnaround in this horse. He was always a nice horse, but even, you know, when Adam Kelly had him going really good early on, you still wouldn't say, oh, he's going to be a Country Cup winner, especially Group 1 Country Cup winner. So, yeah, to beat the likes of Matt Down and Rock and Roll do, uh, it was pretty impressive. He, I suppose he, he had the benefit of the stable mate having the lead, which he then didn't have to work too hard to get. Um but to hold these good horses off the way he did, it was uh, it was pretty impressive. And hats off to Jason Grimson. You know, he can certainly turn a horse around. He's, he just keeps proving it time and time again. Mac Dan, very good. Uh, worked around early then got cover from Rock and Roll Do. Rock and Roll Do first up from a little break uh, after coming back from New Zealand. I thought his run was terrific. Yeah. Um, I think Mick looked after him pretty good when he knew he couldn't win. If you look at him up the straight, he wasn't hurting this horse. He was just sort of pushed him home on the reins. And when you go to the sectionals, he's lit up nearly every box uh, on the time. He ran the quickest first half, the quickest middle half. He's only just missed out on the quickest last half. Uh, His last half, he ran in 55.63. He ran his last mile in 155 neat whereas the rest of the field all ran over 156. So he's uh, he, he's gone a second quicker on his last mile than everything else in the field. So being a little bit fresh, uh, I think he will really come off that run very well. And uh, as I said, Mick wasn't hurting him at the finish. He knows that, you know, he, he couldn't win it and there's bigger fish to fry later on. So certainly keep following Rock and Roll do coming out of this race because I think he will definitely come come on after that run. The most interesting part of the Major Meister win here for me in a way is the way he went first up for Grimo. By the way, my Mac Dan is number two in this race at Ipswich, the Grand. So that's uh, – it might be an open bet now we're talking about Mac Dan. My Mac Dan at 550. Um, is that I wondered where the Major Meister was – uh, even with uh, the new trainer, uh, probably more of a run-along sprinter, middle trip horse. And if I, th- I thought if he was going to target a, a big race during February and March, it might be the Miracle Mile more than the Hunter Cup. But <clears throat> don't know about that now. Looks like you could target absolutely everything, Major Meister. And it's going to be 
again, it sounds crazy to say, doesn't it? We, we've just been through the Inter-Dominion series, but it feels like um, not an entree, but that the Hunter Cup and the and the Miracle Mile coming up uh, at the start of the new year or early in the new year are going to be even better in a weird way in terms of the quality of uh, of the race because Rock and Roll do wasn't through the Inter-Dominion Series. Major Meister wasn't there. Where does Captain Ravishing go? Where does Honolulu Bay go? Um, out of those two big races now, like it's it's uh, it's quite unbelievable that there's a couple of, that are going to join in, uh, join into the mix. Maybe a couple from New Zealand. Maybe copy that comes back over and we see the best of him, which we didn't get to see last time. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And, and Major Meister, like I say, the way he won on Saturday night, I I, I don't know where the limit is because he's only had a couple of runs for Grimo. So is is there improvement? That's 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 the most frightening aspect. Yeah, for sure. It's just you don't know where the ceiling is for him now. Um, you know, if he keeps improving the way he has done, you know, he could be, as I said, beating the best of them. Um, but everything you just reeled off just shows you how exciting and the, the summer carnival coming up is going to be, I don't know, the lead up to it. I hope it's as big as what the lead up's going to be because just listening to what you said then gets me excited. I mean, if you can't get excited off thinking about Catch all of those wave. horses coming together. Yeah, it's just going to be amazing, and I can't wait. It's, it's just going to be so good to be part of it. But uh, imagine being Cameron Hart or Mark Pitt at the moment. I mean, the choice of drives that those two boys have got going into these big races, it, it, it's an enviable position, isn't it? And uh, another factor in this race, and maybe this uh, probably would, it would have suited a major master down to the ground after finding the front, but 55-2 home at the end of a 2,555-metre race. And it's worth noting that your last halves at Cramp and aren't as quick as they are other places. So 55-2, we're talking about, you know, at another track, you know, sub-55 home at the end of a long trip race. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Just, and, and the funny part is the horse who ran the quickest last half ran ninth. I was going to and say, but you can even see visually, though, Bundoran's gone huge. One thing I will say, not only the 55-2 final half, but Cranbourne is one of those tracks um, that in a big race like this, you can get beaten 20 metres or more when they string out and still be a massive run, and Bundoran was very, very good. You could like Even visually, you could tell that, couldn't you? It, it's just so hard to come around that home corner wide. It's it's nearly impossible unless the leaders have gone to war early, coming home, you know, four and five wide around that home corner. You just can't make ground. And then, you know, the long straight makes it even harder. The leaders are kicked away. And, and like you said, you're, you're getting beaten 20 metres, but on any other track, you're probably only getting beaten 12. So... It's, it's an interesting track, Cranbourne, that's for sure. And there's no doubt there's been um, – he's always been a nice horse, but Chilibu Sylvester, I'll be really interested to see if he's if he's got one more level uh, in him because he's he's just thrived through that Inter Dominion series, hasn't he? He's uh, he's turned in – you would have thought when you think of all the great horses that, that Margley and, and Team Craven have had over the years, you wouldn't have thought that Chilibu Sylvester was up with, you know – um, your key and Cullens and, and these sort of horses, but he's geez made a huge step up over the last over the last few weeks. Yeah, he's just absolutely thrived on it, as you said, and it's good to see. Uh, you know, horses like that that you think uh, 
on their level uh, that take that next step. And, and sometimes just racing that better quality horse can actually, well, can make them or it can break them. But for this horse, I think it's certainly made him. I think you're right. I'll tell you what, we might just hang on here because we might um, we might take in race one at Maryborough. Uh, so we'll have a little look at race eight in a moment and, uh, and see who's going to win there. But I might just give you a rundown. We didn't. We used to do this all the time way back in the day on on Metrospective and on Trots Live, taking the races that were run during the time that we were on air. We don't do it as often anymore, but I think we'll take in race one at Maryborough. We've still got three races more to go in retrospective and also the Black Bookers as well. But uh, we've got – this is a good race, isn't it? Well, this is this is the first heat of the two-year-old Colts and Geldings for the Vic Bread Super Series, is it not? Some uh, quality in that, that's for sure. A dollar fifteen. I'll tell you what, it, it'll probably be winning the locomotive here, but you've got the funny feeling. I reckon what's up party time will be um, we'll be bridging the gap as we get close to the – uh, close to the, the final for the Vic Bread Super Series. And once again, now I don't know whether this will be the case next year. I'm hearing whispers potentially uh, the Vic Bread Super Series might not be this time of the year. I've, I've, I'm happy to say that I don't think it should be here, uh, the Vic Bread Super Series. But, but i tell you what, it's going to be a hell of a party again on New Year's Eve. And I love the fact, people were a bit surprised by the Inter-Dominion crowd, Clavey, but I reckon if you go all the way back to the week before the Victoria Cup, and I can't, I don't know why, but it's been a great job by everybody involved. The crowds seem a lot bigger at, at Tabcor Park Melton recently and at these big trot meetings than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. They, I was standing up, I'm being a short person, I stood up on the uh, steps as you go into the, the cafe just after the finishing post so I could actually see because uh, I struggled to see other people standing in front of me, but... I took a photo of it and the amount of people that were there was just packed and it was it was great to see. And I mentioned it last week when um, Josh Jenkins was on there for you while you were having a little break and I said, just being on the track when I went out and it was only race three when I went out with Mirakuru, the, the crowd, the buzz, it was just so good to have it back like that. It, it was just took you back to the big old days and, and that excitement and just the aura that the crowd was given off and they were chatting over the fence to you and, and everything else. And it was just, it, it was what you want to see all the time. Unfortunately, we won't. But just to have it all back and to be part of it was a fantastic night. I, I do wonder whether the, straight after the pandemic sort of, the, or the, the bulk of the pandemic finished, it felt like the crowds didn't come back as quickly as you ex- expected. But I do wonder whether it has played a role because even Saturday night at the Meadows for the Phoenix it's just a massive crowd. Maybe people over that uh, over that journey have now realised how much they missed going out to the races. They are going around like Browns cows here. These juvenile square gators. But they're about to go. We've got a green light. Green light. Here's Emlecky. And they're racing. So uh, a couple of uh, runners have made mistakes, and they were Uptown Lad and also Elder Baron Jensen was well out of position. So the locomotive won't be challenged in the early part, and it's the short price favourite leading. What's up? Party time makes the first turn very wide as they go into that bend there, and also off stride was that other thing. That other thing has dropped right out off the bunch as well as they make their way into the first turn. What's up? Party time's having to work pretty hard and. 
pours the pressure on, tackles the locomotive and heads it off now. So what's up, party time goes clear. Has used up a bit of energy in the early part, but it crosses the favourite and runs along at a decent speed down the back. Six metres in front of the locomotive, trying to slot in third is Stevie G, covering a bit of ground and is now without cover because Moonwalker kicked up to hold the spot three back on the inside. Uh, then Uptown Lad getting going again now, but it's four back on the pegs and around it was Northolt, about six metres away as they work their way off the back straight to the debutante CR7 and then about six metres to Elder Baron Jensen who's caught the main bunch, uh, but no such hope for that other thing who's tailed off. The lead time in 42. Around the turn they complete one lap and with about 1,200 left to travel it's what's up party time the leader. The locomotive got a pretty comfortable lead before being headed off by what's up party time but it hasn't used up all that much fuel the favourite and it's second as they come down to get the bell. First quarter 31.9 in third spot without cover Stevie G. Moonwalkers on the inside of Northolt. Uh, then came Uptown Lad and Elderberry Jensen making a mistake as CR7 dropping off and last is that other thing. Approaching the 800 metres around the McPherson's printing group bend and it's what's up party time the leader. About three metres to CBG who just goes up that little bit closer. Leaders back is the locomotive who's had a pretty good run in behind them as they make their way down the back straight with about 700 metres left to travel. What's up party time two metres Stevie G. The locomotive third on the inside fourth is uh, uh, Northolt, who's had a good enough trip in the 1-1, one, one, and then Moonwalker, three back the inside of Elder Baron Jensen, and then Uptown Lad, and a long gap to CR7, and that other thing, as they work their way off the back. 400 metres to travel. What's up, party time? From Stevie G, the locomotive are waiting on the run third, and they get away from Moonwalker in fourth spot. Off the back straight, in 29.6. What's up, party time? Around the final bend, the leader. The locomotive about to wind up now. To the outside with Stevie G, battling on. It's what's up party time in front the locomotive is starting to pick up on the inside what's up party time the locomotive is coming through now the locomotive goes through grabs the front and the favorite wins it the locomotive first beat what's up party time who was terrific second about 15 away third was moonwalker well in the at the end of the day that was a pretty comfortable win to the favorite at all 10 but i said there's going to be some compression between those two and i reckon it will continue one six and eight your numbers the locomotive Defeats What's Up Party Time and Moonwalker Time for a break. We'll come back with more Metrospective in just a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on Uh, only a couple of minutes to the news uh, after taking that race from Mary Barrow. What did you make of that? It was um, I like the fact that uh, Josh Dickey, after being out wide, decided to roll forward and and try something. I, I like the idea of trying something early in a series just to just to see where you're at a little bit. I reckon, Clevy. Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, there's nothing worse than just, you know, favourites leading. They walk, they sprint home, favourites win. It can be boring racing, but when something goes forward and although nothing else sort of changed in the race, it did add a little bit of intrigue just to see exactly what you mentioned was how much dif difference there was between the two. And I don't know if it was just the way it looked on uh, the video or not but the locomotive looked like it was going rough halfway around the corner it's a bit of a tight bend at Miraburra 
um, just before you get to the drain where you can see the mesh fence and every now and then horses do get on their knee and go a bit rough. But I just watched his back legs and I thought, oh, he's nearly going to gallop here. But then once he got past that point, he levelled up and and then he was a smooth ass to the line. But uh, if you're on at the dollar fifteen, you might have just been holding your breath a little bit. Oh, particularly with uh, what's up, party time's a really, really nice trotter. So, um, uh, yes, you would have been, but uh, Nathan Jack, uh, it, it, it is a, it's a great skill, isn't it? In a, a horseman, particularly with trotters. I remember that one night at Cranbourne. What was the name of it? it was Meadow Valley Star? A star. The, the, no. uh, uh, the Dylan Stratford um, was trying anyway. Anthony Buck was driving, and literally every step. Of the entire journey, that horse was going to gallop every single step yeah. of the journey, and Anthony Butt was just able to hold it together. And you think to yourself, well, how do you do that? How can you actually hold a horse together and stop them from galloping? But it is like it's just an, it's an incredibly valuable skill, particularly with the square gaiters, Clevy. Yeah, it really is. You got to have a lot of patience when you're driving the trotters, and and. Everything just, I mean, more so than when you're driving paces, but everything goes through your hands and, and you just need to be absolutely spot on there. And anyone else who's sort of looking at these uh, heats later on, if you want to watch two races today, uh, race four at 152, you know, you've got Plymouth Chubb going against Cravash Door. Uh, it's going to be a great heat. But then race number nine, Trading Lady and Rockin' With Attitude, who have locked horns lately, the, the draws have played the opposite way. Trady Lady's drawn inside of Rockin' With Attitude in five and Rockin' With Attitude six. That's going to be a great heat to watch because uh, if they're found a little bit more speed out the gate with Trady Lady, it could be on. Yeah, it's going to be fun today. It's going to be fun all the way through, really, as we head towards the Vic Bread Super Series deciders, or semifinals this weekend, and then the finals are on December 31, New Year's Eve, as we welcome in 2023. We'll go for a break now, come back. We'll go for the, we'll go for the news, as a matter of fact. Come back and we'll talk about the final three winners. And it's going to be heartbreak trying to relive this loss of Whiskey Cavalier. I still don't know how he lost, but Celestial Gossip did win the race for Jess Tubbs. And Bailey McDonald will talk about that race nine and race ten when we return. But let's find out what's happening in the world. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. More Avril? I tell you what, um, that one that I, I told you about from the other day, Play a bit of that at the uh, leading of the next uh, Griff. Something? Yeah, I'll find it. Uh, congrats to Ben for seeing this tweet come out from SEN Track. Our same race punter of the week. If you're the same race punter of the week, you win a share in my racehorse AU's exciting new two-year-old colt by first season sire. Grunt! Download the app and enter your same race multis to win. I'm still getting my head around the same race multis. I reckon if I could, harness racing would be nearly the best of the three codes for same race multis because if you can map your races right and you can work out... Who can win, but maybe something that might be uh, three poles at huge odds to run top three, top four. You can make some money. All right. Uh, we're moving on now to race eight from Saturday Night Metrospective Edition of Trot's Life with Jay Bond and Stevie Cleave. And this was won by Celestial Gossip, normally known as a horse who goes way better in front, but a critical decision made mid-race here, or quite early actually, by Bailey McDonald to lead and then hand up 
to Mr. Perfect. Better Robin went and did the work and um, I had a bet on Whiskey Cavalier and I tell you what, I felt like I, I wish I'd had a hell of a lot more on in the run. Just sitting there, um, bolting, but he's a funny horse, Whiskey Cavalier. Andy Gass told us how much ability he has, but I don't know that there's a hell of a lot going on upstairs. You just sort of rolled around. Having said that, You've already mentioned coming wide around that final turn at Cram and you lose your momentum, and that might have been part of the critical key here for Celestial Gossip as well, Clevy. Yeah, I was just watching the replay really closely on the home bend, and just Kate got him rolling into it, but at halfway around the bend, she's had to grab hold of him and just balance him up. He's such a big, raw, green sort of fellow who hasn't really clicked into gear about becoming a racehorse yet. I think everything he's doing, he's just doing on the raw ability, but that tiny little hold up could be enough to have just cost him the race. I mean, he's only got beaten by a head. Kate couldn't really let him rip around the corner. Had to sort of wait to the top of the straight. Celestial Gossip just had that beautiful run on the back of the leader. And I tell you what, when you when you look at drivers and horses, Celestial Gossip and Bailey McDonough would just make the perfect couple. Um, he's, he's won six races on this horse now and just seems to be able to click with him. Greg hasn't driven it very often since uh, they started training the horse, Jess and, and Greg, but uh, he hasn't been able to win one on him, whereas Bailey's been able to win six out of the eight wins that they've had at the Jess Tub stable. So it, they just seem to click, and it, it goes really good for this horse, um, for this driver, this horse does. So uh, no surprise the way the race was run and the sit that it had that it actually did win, but I just think the Cranbourne track bought Whiskey Cavalier undone. As I said, just having to nurse him around that corner probably cost him especially with only a head margin but when you go to the sectionals he's actually got all the blue boxes against him so he was definitely the run of the race whiskey cavalier i wouldn't jump off him i know he was short and i know favorite backers probably wouldn't be real happy with not getting him home but i think uh he needs a better track than cranbourne to uh to launch into him though yeah yeah all true um i could even notice that just watching the replay again with whiskey cavalier that he, he uh, unlike in his maiden win here on Australian soil, he he really did. The legs were really moving, and as he, as he came around the turn before he had to be sort of um, uh, balanced up again, he was going uh, ten to the dozen, like he was really firing up. And then just in the concluding stages, he was just sort of flatlining a little bit again, and the uh, the legs just weren't moving quite as quickly. So I, I don't know whether he. He's um, being so big and raw that he's sort of switching him. He, he switches on and off a little bit, whether he's got a very short, sharp sprint. I, I still haven't worked him out, but I can tell you right now, he'll be paying uh, $1.90 somewhere next start. I won't be on and he'll win by 30. I can, I can almost guarantee that'll happen. But um, I know he's a really good horse and I trust Andy Gass' opinion. Um, like top of the tree, he's so good at judging his own horses, Andy, but I can't be backing him um, again anytime soon until he does switch on a little bit more. He's clearly got the world of ability, as Ricky Elton would say, the world of ability, but uh, he's he's yeah, just didn't get the job done here. Celestial Gossip was very good. That's a great start um, and, and a great opportunity for for Bailey McDonough as well because you, you I think if you're driving for a, you know, a big stable like Lara J Farm where Greg's going to do most of the driving, you do need sort of one that you can connect with and get your confidence up on and get those winners, don't you? I mean, I think for these young drivers, the hard part of going to the really good stables with number one drivers is you need to be able to get um, 
get your own opportunities. And I think that's been uh, a great combination there between Jess and Greg at Lara J Farm, Bailey and the horse and the horse itself to be able to give him some confidence to go out there because nothing, nothing in any sport in the world can give you confidence like winning, Clevy. Correct. And I suppose he's got one, one, one fair point there that if him and Greg are ever having an argument in the stables, <laughs> he can just turn around and say, well, at least I've won on celestial gossip and you haven't. So that's a good one to keep up your sleeve. But uh, no, look, it is good. And, and quite often you do see horses can have connections with certain drivers. So uh, they certainly get along and, and Bailey drives really well. He's, he's a great young driver. I, I really like him as a, a driver. He sits in the bike well. He's got a good set of hands on him and he can really rate a horse as well. So uh, he's doing a great job. And yes, as you're just saying, it, it's good to see him getting those opportunities within the stable when you know Greg's you know, by far the number one driver. So uh, you know he, he's doing a great job and it's, it's much deserved. That combination again in race nine, as we move on to the win of celebrating, Jason Grimson, Cameron Hart was paying a dollar ten lead, and uh, it was a bit of a end of the penny section no contest after that, Clevy. Yeah, well, uh, Al Boston came out running off the gate like it does, celebrating. Just dropped back, eased into the three pegs line, just very momentarily, then let it roll at the top of the straight and got the front, and it was basically a race over from there, as you'd expect on a dollar ten favourite as well. Al Boston got on good. Uh, over the odds, I thought was quite well. He, his, uh, his sectionals ramped up quite well on, on the uh, on the page. Um, got home in a really slick last quarter, 28.54 from 27.98 down the back, so maybe one worth watching coming out of that race, but celebrating just far too good, and as you say, that the, the Jason Grimson, Cameron Hart duo, just absolutely dominating. I'm just doing a quick stat here. This is quite extraordinary, 22-23. Um, Kenny Tippett doing a great job, I think, with El Boston, who's been uh, – he's actually a pretty good horse, El Boston, but he's been a headache for a lot of people. Um, but this is an interesting stat and just tells you how much short course racing we have now. El Boston's last 23 starts, Clevy, have been over the short trip. That's that, that's um like it's unbelievable to think you could find that many races, but um he was he was definitely a horse. I think it was worked out at some juncture that he's he's just a dead set miler. But uh, a lot of good trainers have had Al Boston, and I think uh, gone grey as a result of having Al Boston. But Kenny Tippett's actually doing a really good job with that horse. And over the odds, um I know Land's probably still like to drive a fair bit these days, but uh, I tell you what, the combination with the girls and particularly Jackie Barker. Uh, it seems to work out very well, I, I find. Yeah, the, the girls seem to go really well on Lance's horse. And uh, and getting back to Ken Tippett, I know he's already been grey, so that might have helped him with <laughs> old Boston because that wouldn't change. So, uh, yeah, I think that may have actually helped work in his favour. But, uh, yeah, both of those horses gone good. But as you say, he's definitely a short trip horse, Al Boston. But... Over the odds, as I said, he was getting home really well for a horse that probably likes to race a little bit tougher than sit sprint. So I, I was quite happy with that run. Um, the ones behind it, you know, I, I couldn't pick anything out of those four. That's the final race we're going to do because it was actually clearly nine races on a Saturday night at Cramp. And we're going to go to a break now, come back and see if we can't squeeze in race two at Maryborough before we go through the best bets or the black bookers from the uh, Saturday night program, the group one, multiple group one program at Cramp. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. 
Heat two for the square gating juvenile Colts and Geldings. Dan and Lucky to do the calling race to at Maryborough. When we come back, Black Bookers from myself and also Steve Cleave here on the retrospective edition of Trut's Life on your favourite racing station. Is he in track? Number three, the horse named after Shane Warren, SK Warren, SK Hollywood. Ready? Green light goes on. And they're on their journey and getting out nicely was SK Hollywood. It's about a half a length in front of hide and seek and getting away smartly also and moving up outside of them into the first turn was Lardy's son. So the top three in the market occupy the first three spots into that first turn. And the leader is SK Hollywood. Three metres away and going up to tackle it now is Lardy's son. Uh, then over on the inside in third spot is the favourite and that is hide and seek. Pace pretty good because SK Hollywood actually kicked up to keep out the challenge of Lardy's his son who was then trying to find the gap to drop in behind the leader so even the favorite hide and seek had to quicken up to hold that spot into a fourth spot as they make their way down the back straight is your kidding fifth and three back along the pegs is maori franklin then there's a gap of about 10 meters to kai valley archer and another 20 meters behind it as they work their way off the back or well, kai valley anthony before kai valley archer and then making mistake in the early part was la volante and it's a long last lead time 42.3 and SK Hollywood is the leader with Cameron Mags, and it leads three metres. On its outside second is Lardy's son, and then in behind them in third spot as they go past the 1,200 metres is Hide and Seek. Fourth on the outside as they come down to get the bell was your kidding. First quarter of the last mile in 31.1. SK Hollywood in front of Lardy's son, Hide and Seek. Fourth is your kidding. Fifth is Maori Franklin, who's three back along the pegs. On its outside as they make their way out of the straight, Kai Valley Anthony, and then came Kai Valley Archer. And about 30 metres away last is La Volante, as uh, making a mistake there was Kai Valley Archer. They have 800 metres to travel, and the leader is SK Hollywood, trying to go all the way. And it's a couple of metres in front of Lardy's son, who's been obliged to sit without cover. Hide and Seeks had that protected run. It's third on the inside, and around it fourth is your kidding. Three back along the pegs is Maori Franklin, and then a few metres away... Last of the main body of the field, Kai Valley Anthony. 31-4 for the second quarter, and they make their way off the back with 500 to go. SK Hollywood, the leader, about five metres in front. Lardy's son giving ground into that turn. Uh, now Hide and Seek goes through into second spot, and then came Maori Franklin, three back along the pegs. 29-3 for the third quarter. SK Hollywood in front. Hide and Seek comes out off the pegs now, and then came Maori Franklin, and giving ground Lardy's son. It's SK Hollywood, two metres. Hide and Seek, though, goes up strongly hide and seek he's had the cheap run he loomed up halfway up the straight this is going to be a soft win he's powerful to the line without being asked for an effort this is impressive that's hide and seek of course by Imogen Heap. Tomo and I were already on the buttons with that one. Um, really dominant win there, Clevy, but I reckon it was another case. I'm not sure, again, Greg Sugars, I think, was holding a hide-and-seek together at different stages of that race. I don't know how close you're watching the, the trotting cadence of the winner. It's won absolutely dominantly, but I'm not sure it was trotting perfectly throughout. 
Yeah, it's an interesting, especially with the babies, it's very hard to tell. But one thing about Maribara, beautiful, big, long straight, you can always balance them up and then let them rip. And as I said, he, he pulled away quite easily. He looks a very nice horse, this one of uh, Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. And aren't their trotters just absolutely flying? It, it, and it is quite amazing um, because we, we've known over the years that uh, probably training trotters and getting them to go well has been considered an, e- an even finer art than tra- training paces. So they've done an amazing job. Visionary's just flying. Just Believe is an Inter-Dominion winner now and a Bill Collins winner. What a, what, what a few months Just Believe has had. And um, hide and seek, that looks very good as well. Now, we've got one more break to come. Um, I'll give my black bookers after the break, but you give your black bookers from the Saturday night meeting at Cranbourne beforehand, please, Clevy. Okay, so race two, I've black book rocking with Sierra. I think this one's knocking on the door, ready for a win. Probably needs a right run to do it, but certainly uh, is thereabouts. Can't really, it's hard to black book a horse like Rock and Roll do because you know what he's going to be up against. But I think you've got to follow him coming out of that race because that was an impressive run. I thought the times that he ran around a tricky track like Cranbourne, Whiskey Cavalier, you can't jump off him. I know you want to uh, because his brain's not there. But on sectionals, he was certainly the horse, uh, the run of the race with that guy. And over the odds out of race nine, I think he's just starting to build up to a win as well. So they're just the four that I've got for me. So pretty much Black Book and Rockin' with Sierra over the odds, but definitely continue to follow Rock and Roll Do and Whiskey Cavalier. All right, I've got a couple. Uh, I've got one the same and a couple different when we return from the break. And we'll also, uh, once again, preview a couple of the races that you definitely don't want to miss later in the afternoon at Merry Borough today with Vic Bread Super Series qualifiers going down back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Oh, my, my That's how Sammy Holland feels at the stall at the moment. All by myself, but unfortunately, Brown Dog's here um, with some... Uh, sashimi type situation, and he's just laying laying out some. Yeah, he's, he's preparing it, which is lovely. So, Sammy, you won't be all by yourself for too long out there at Staywell. Got lots of barrels behind you. You can have a barrel throwing competition. I thought Tom Banger was going to tell me you'd locked yourself outside again, Bon. No, I, I'll tell you what. Though, I've, I've lost about. I, I, I bought a new packet of uh, fresh air before, and I've lost. There was there were twenty fresh air sticks in there. And I've lost nineteen of them at the moment. I'm hoping I've left them outside. Anyway, we move forward. My my uh, black bookers from the Saturday night meeting at Cranbourne. The brown dog was there. As a matter of fact, unbelievable stuff. Where I was at the Phoenix, it's like swapping roles. Um, so the black bookers. I am with Rocking with Sierra as well. Great day. Hopefully, Craig Hogan can win with this horse. Obviously, previously uh, trained by his his uh, late old men. Gary, and it'd be a wonderful story of rocking with Sierra. Could win a few more races. And, uh, of course, Shane as well. The uncle uh, qualifying Smith Smith for the Inter-Dominion Grand Final. Little Yankee I'm going to give a, a Black Book nomination to. I've always had a big opinion of Little Yankee, and I like the way that it got home on the weekend. And I thought Serge Blanco. We already discussed Serge Blanco, but I thought uh, his run was very, very good as well. We've already talked it up this meeting today. You've got to keep watching... Mary Burrow qualifies for the Vic Bread Super Series. I'll tell you, it probably won't win, Clavey, but one horse I'm very much 
uh, looking forward to racing Oregon at its next 10 starts is constant. Yeah. It's got a stack it's of ability. Stack from, of ability, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it just keeps flying home, but it just, yeah, it's just got to be able to get closer at the start. If, if it could just keep up at the start and not be 40 metres off them, it's going to win some races. But uh it's, it's always exciting to watch it fly home so late. And a quick run back to race two where Cameron Maggs, uh, trainer, drove the second horse, SK Hollywood. Maybe looking at that winner thinking I might have let one slip here because I just noticed he actually bred the winner hide and seek. Oh, really? Yeah. And a nice little uh, connection there as well. Obviously, Brown Dog here with uh, a good mate of the late, great Shane Warren. And it was announced before the race that SK Hollywood and um, George Coram did tell me this when I was at Melbourne, but SK Hollywood, that's SK Warren. That's what's named SK Hollywood. So E-double-S-K-A-Y, but SK Hollywood race. Let's have a look at a couple of the races later on today. Quickly, Cravashtor versus Plymouth Chubb. We're going with, I think Cravashtor might have his measure at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I was really impressed with Plymouth Chubb's last start at Bendigo uh, Friday week ago on the 9th. It, uh, it burnt early, couldn't quite get the front and then got to the leaders back. And so it had that speed burn, but it did hit the line very well. So I don't think he's going to turn the tables on the crevasse door today, but I think he's getting back to his very best. The number there for Anton Galena going around like your Revelstokes and your core me is a little bit later on in the card. Um, Cognati versus Trady Lady versus Rockham with Attitude. You discuss this. Who are you siding with, Trady Lady? Uh, yeah, I reckon Trady Lady's turn this time. All right, I'll go with Rockham with Attitude, but with that gun draw, Cognati's going to be hard to beat as well. That's been Trot's life. That's been Metrospective. We've had fun as always, taking over from us well, with a brown dog and a Sammy Holland out there at stall. Hopefully they've got stacks of winners. I'll be back on air tonight from 6 till 10 for the Monday Night Lids Fly with my great mate, the Peacock Mitchabaya. Catch up with you then. Au revoir.